I don't really care if you're naked, but don't sit. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Lux Edition, the show where we love to talk shit about all kinds of crazy classic pop culture. I'm here, as always, with Mr. Casey Shearer. How you doing, buddy? Good, Bill. How are you, buddy? Uh, see, I fucked up because I already, uh, you know, I'm supposed to say my name first and then your name because I, I want to go right into the show. I always forget. I, I'm, I, I'd never be a good like announcer for the Tonight Show. Could you imagine your job is every day, all you do is pull in and you say, it's the Tonight Show. And that's it. That's that's your job. I could never that would, do that. I, I'd fuck it all up. That would be fucking incredible, dude. I would do that if I had the voice for that. That would be the best job in the world. What was that guy's name? Don Gilbert or something like that? Wasn't no, there, it? Well, there's uh, Don Pardo. Hello, Don I'm Don Pardo. You get a lifetime supply of rice cerrone. I just remember his voice being on like the Weird Al album. And then I was like, oh, okay. He's famous for being the uh, announcer of Saturday Night Live. I thought he was just a Weird, a weird Al guy. Yeah, no. When you have a voice like that, you're you're the voiceover guy. Like, there's so many of those old guys they're just not around anymore like that yeah. no you can do that or you can work at strip clubs please welcome to the stage ladies and gentlemen all the way from not that i ever go to strip clubs casey I'm a, no gentlemen i've never been to one but listen <laughs> let's not talk about that let's talk about today's show you actually booked somebody today that i don't know a whole hell of a lot about so why don't you tell us who you booked deborah Voorhees. you know deborah from uh, the friday the 13th movie right so yes, but everybody remembers her for a few reasons, right? She just she's a standout. Uh, you're smiling, right? Most animals remember her from you know the nude scene because it seems to be Friday the Thirteenth fans' most favorite nude scene. Not me. Again, I'm an absolute gentleman. That is not how I know her name. I just remember her name because I always thought it was interesting that her real last name is Voorhees and she was in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. You cover your eyes during those scenes? Absolutely, absolutely. Like last night when I was watching a movie with my co- uh, my nephew Andy, I had to tell him to cover his eyes during a, the sex scene in the movie. Yeah, I would always do that watching anything that would come up on like a uh, a movie that I'm watching with my parents. Cover your eyes, okay? And it's the old like peek through the uh, you know folded <laughs> fingers across your face. Put your face. It's like no, they they knew I was watching it. Remember how weird it was too? Like nudity used to be real prevalent in like the 80s, and then it kind of died down in the 90s. Same with like guitar solos. Guitar solos and nudity went away in the 90s, but you used to see nudity in everything. And it would be like PG, and there were still, you know, uh, it, there were still nude scenes in it. Right. But Friday the 13th movies, man, they were full of nude scenes. A lot of the fan questions that we got that I'm not going to bring up during the interview at all had a lot to do with Deborah's breasts. Interesting. You're not going to bring up any of those questions. You're a gentleman, too. All right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that some of our fans and the friday the 13th fans are savages and they did want to know about the nude scene but we'll uh we'll ask her about some other things because <laughs> we're too shy <laughs> deborah has a lot going on right now she has a movie coming out that i'm sure she will be talking about that's why she's doing a lot of the promo stuff right now yeah, so let's, fan- what is the movie you yeah the movie is called 13 fanboy and just the basic premise of it, I think, is, uh, you know, how like we we even talked about it on this show, you know, the dark side of uh, Hollywood, these conventions and stuff that they that all these celebrities go to, you know, they have fanboys. A lot of these people have fanboys 
Yeah, so I saw the trailer. I think the trailer, if I got this right, it just came out a couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's got everybody in it from, you know, like those faces that it's, it's everybody that we should interview. It's, yeah. you know, it's the caliber of guests that we love to get. So I remember I was looking at it. I saw like D Wallace Stone is in it. I was like, Oh, like I start seeing some of these faces pop up again. It's cool. It's like a love letter. It's like a love letter to Friday the 13th fans. That, that's at least how I'm taking it. Yeah. We can't have our Friday the 13th movies. So let's get something with, with everyone from the Friday the 13th movies in it. Well, how many people did you recognize in the movie, or, or did you even look at the the uh, IMDb page yet? I didn't. I didn't look at the IMDb page. I recognize a lot of them, like Kane Hodder, D, Lar Park. I saw Lar Park Lincoln in there, right? Yeah. Did you see CJ Graham, who we talked CJ to? CJ Graham. I saw him. For, yeah, we talked to CJ. Corey Feldman. I saw. That's right, Corey people. Feldman. Corey yeah. Feldman blocked us on Twitter dot com. Isn't that the website we were going to start one day? <laughs> That web page would be so full. <laughs> so the the thing I noticed watching this, I'm I'm trying to understand, is it kind of like a fictional movie where they splice in real stuff because there was a lot of convention footage and things like that? Is it kind of like half fiction, half documentary, or is it full fiction? Because it, if it's full fiction, it looked a little like there's a do you know the Fre- there's a Freddy Krueger movie that that sort of turned the whole Freddy franchise on its ear. It's the last one. It's called A New Nightmare. It was no. uh, not. It wasn't the last one if you technically count other things, but the new nightmare was written by damn it, Casey. The names just go right out of my head as I get older. But everybody knows Wes who Craven. he is. Who? Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Thank you so much for saving me. I would have just edited it out to make myself look better anyway. Wes Craven, he kind of came back and he rewrote this new version of Nightmare on Elm Street. It was a killer story. I didn't love the movie, but the idea was ballsy. Like, let's just say, you know, we made six of the movies this way. Let's come in and rewrite the whole thing. And in that movie, Basically, somebody's killing off the people who made the original Nightmare on Elm Street movies, right? And then you find out at the end, it's a demon who took the shape of Freddy Krueger. So it's kind, it's Freddy, but it's a different version of Freddy. So as I'm watching this trailer, I'm like, it's kind of like getting that vibe. I don't know anything about the uh, Freddy Krueger stuff, so never been into it. So I I take your word for it, but we can ask her about it for sure. Yeah, these indie movies, I mean, they're they're good. They, they, yeah. they can be written. They can be really clever. It doesn't just because they're low budget doesn't mean that they need to be thrown away. So yeah. for fans like us, this is ideal. Hell yeah, man! All right, hey, let's get into the interview. I think she's uh, she's going to be here very soon. But very quickly, Bill, we have a new sponsor, Bear Claw Kitchen. This stuff, man, granola. They have granola and granola bars, all different flavors. Go to bearclawkitchen.com and punch in deluxe 15 and get 15% off. This stuff, man, I, I already ate all of the samples that they sent me, and I had to order more so I could show it because we haven't recorded in a couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> this shit is good. You know, I travel all the time. It's great. You just throw this uh, these little packets of granola. They have all different kinds of flavors. Go to their website, bearclawkitchen.com. Deluxe 15. Stuff's good, Bill. Very good. I like some granola. How come you got uh, it? Yeah. I didn't get any. <laughs> well, I'm the marketing guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll get you some. We'll, we'll get you some. All right. How about we flip over to our interview with Deborah Voorhees? Hi, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so happy to have you oh, here. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you having me. You've probably been real busy. Your, your new trailer came out. It just came out a few days ago. Busy. Just a tiny bit busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It did. I'm really thrilled uh, to have it out there now. How's the reception been so far? Very good. Excellent. 
Excellent. I've been really happy with it. Did people know? So I was actually not familiar with it somehow, and I'm a pretty big fan. And it, it came up, uh, Casey found it. He goes, do you know what's going on here? And we were kind of like watching it all along. And then when the trailer came out, I said, okay, I'm even a little bit more confused on on what the movie is. It's really interesting. So it looks to me like it's a love letter to, to Friday the 13th fans. Well, you know, honestly, the, the movie is about a stalker who is going after the actors from the series, particularly the women. It's basically his favorite. He was abused by his father and kept in the basement a lot of the time. And so he had the VHS tapes for uh, Friday the 13th and for Halloween. And so he kind of considered the people in that to be his family. And so he would write them letters and they didn't write back. And so he took it very personal, like his family was rejecting him. And everybody, one of the unique parts about it is everybody is playing themselves. Obviously a fictional story of what's going on, but we try to, at least for most people, sometimes we didn't because we, well, for most people, we tried to give something that was true to their, who they are in real life. We couldn't do it in everyone because we needed certain things to happen. But like, for instance, you know, Dee Wallace, you know, um, she was, of course, in Halloween, E.T., Cujo, The Howling, The Frighteners, I mean, a, a zillion movies. And she's just this very kind, loving person. And so that's what we wanted to reflect on there. But she is playing an actress who is from Halloween being stalked as I'm, I'm the director as well and the co-writer and co-producer, but I have a role in it as well. So I am playing Deborah Voorhees who played in the Friday the 13th movie who is being stalked and the same with each and everybody else in the film. And so it's an intense thriller. It is um, a whodunit and a horror film all wrapped up into one. It's nothing like a documentary or anything like that. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It is a full-blown feature film, you know, with all the great cuts and, you know, great music and stuff and sound design and things, as opposed to trying to look like it's a documentary style something. Yeah. And, and one of the things that is going on, I noticed it's, it's one of the crowdsourced movies, which I'm still trying to understand how all that works. Well, part of it was crowdsourced, but most of the money we raised via investors. We could have never made it off of just crowdsourcing. The only reason I decided to go ahead and do crowdsourcing is because the fans have been asking me for a very long time. They're just like, can't you do something, you know, and usually what they wanted was me to do something that was basically a Friday the 13th movie. You know, kudos to everybody who makes the fan films. I think those are wonderful, but that's not what we are. And so if I had done a Friday the 13th film, it would have had to have been a fan film, or I would have had to somehow get the rights to make a Friday the 13th movie. And that's up in the air. There's no way that's going to happen. Plus, it's going to make the bill go sky high, getting the rights like to do something like that. So instead, what I wanted to do was to make a film this is very realistic. This isn't a guy coming up out of a grave and attacking people. That's so much fun. It's great fun at the movies. But when you leave, you're not afraid that he's coming up out of a grave and attacking you in the parking lot, right? You know that's not going to happen. 
you get the great scares, you jump, you go, ah, you have a good laugh, you know, because it's fun. It's just fun. But this is something that you go, oh shit, it could actually happen. And we actually have two of our actresses in it, Laura Park Lincoln and Judy Aronson, both had stalkers and Adrian King, whom we spoke to early on about uh, doing something in it, backed out not once, but twice. She really wanted to do it and was trying really hard to make something work. But she had a real, real life stalker and it just freaked her out too much. She told me, Deborah, you don't know this, but this is way too close for comfort for me. And uh, she says, one day when I have a bottle of wine in me, I'll sit down and tell you about it. But otherwise, I don't talk about it. So, yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, I remember hearing she only did a fraction of part two. And oh, I remember part hearing two, right, yeah. right. Because the soccer, she just was like, I'm not coming to work. This isn't, this, I don't need this nonsense. Right. I can't even fathom that. Right. Yeah, no, it is. It's really, and it, I don't know her situation, but my understanding, it was pretty intense and quite frightening. The only part about her it, story I do know is that she tried to get away from him and went to London and he followed her. Wow. Well, we did a, we did an episode on celebrity stalkers a, a few months ago at this point, but it's crazy back in this, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, how easy it was to access, you know, people's information of where they were and the, their mm -hmm. home address and everything. Even easier now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if it's some sort of mental mental illness, maybe it is. I don't know. I'm no psychiatrist. I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm Worst person to, to don't tell you anything about this stuff. But, you know, I remember when we were young and, and we really were at a, a lot of time, we were babysat by our TV. So that idea of, you know, you are my family. Yeah, I can kind of see it. When I meet people, you know, like you, when I meet people from the other movies, when I meet people from all the shows that I watch, it feels more than just, oh, that's cool. I've watched you. It's a little bit like I just met a long lost person and I want them to like me so much because I've liked them for so. And I could see how some people maybe a little bit more frail, you know, will cross that line. Exactly. Exactly. And I do think that's what it is. I think largely it's probably is mental illness that would take you to that level because that's pretty crazy. But, the, you know, you definitely, I know sometimes I'll be at a convention and I, I mean, mostly horror fans are absolutely amazing, but every once in a while you get somebody coming up to the table and they're sure you should know them. Oh, hi. Don't you remember? I'm the one who commented on your post six months ago. <laughs> and I said this, I'm like going, I so want to tell you I remember, but I don't have a photographic memory of everybody who responded to a post, you know? Um, so there is, I think, now even a little bit more of that heightened sense of I know you as opposed to, oh, this is a person I've conversed with online. And I have actually become friends with people who you know, started out as fans. In fact, I have people who actually worked on the film who started out as fans, but they had some great talent. And um, so I brought them aboard because they just fit what we needed. So it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting, that whole fandom idea. Yeah. That's actually how I first heard about your movie is through someone I believe who's in your movie, Bo Boykin. 
Oh yes, he was. Um, he uh, was an Indiegogo supporter, and he came out uh, to be an extra on the film. I think he actually ended up saying a line in it too, because he was there, and we were taking a shot, and he threw one out, and it worked fine for what we were doing. So, I did the uh, Indiegogo thing for Rosebud for the oh, Friday the Thirteenth uh-huh. film for that, and I met him there. Oh, cool! Yeah. Cool, he's a nice guy. Casey was able to, he won a contest and Casey was able to be Jason for one kill. Oh, nice. Casey's like eight foot tall. So it was perfect. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> I'm six two. I'm not quite that big. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Bad depth perception, even when it's, you know, vertical. Yeah, it was fun though. Well, Case, I know you got some questions. Maybe we should just dive in. We know you don't have a ton of time here, Deborah. So let's get into the fan questions. A lot of them, you know, all of them have to do with Friday the 13th. Joe Matera would like to know if you actually got fired from your teaching job when your sex scene from A New Beginning was discovered. Two jobs. Two jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it turned out I really didn't think anybody would recognize me. And um, I even used a different name for teaching. When I first decided to teach, it didn't ever cross my mind that anybody would care. Why would anybody care? This is in the 80s, you know. (laughs) This is, you know, we're now in the 2000s. I think we can all get over this, right? Um, Not so. So it was really, it was more about the school board. And a handful of parents, because most of the parents backed me and most of the kids backed me. We had one, a couple in particular that were extremely religious. And uh, yeah. So I could basically, I basically heard the scaffolding being built outside. I'm quite sure if it had been in the 1500s, they would have burned me at the stake. (laughs) I'm pretty sure the kids didn't. Yeah, they, they probably backed you. I'm sure they did. They were great. Um, honestly, there was, I, I only knew of for sure one person who was very religious who didn't, but for the most part, my kids did back me. I'm sure there were some others other than her, but I know for sure she didn't. Yeah, it was, uh, a definitely an interesting time. They, uh, decided to forbid me from going to the graduation. The, the second place that I taught at because they said that I wasn't acceptable. And I said, well, I hate to tell you this. They threw me out like three weeks before they were supposed to graduate. And I was a senior teacher. I taught British literature. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to not be there for my kids. And so um, they kind of hinted that maybe I might be removed. And I said, I suppose if you want to get that ugly with it, I'm going to be there. And they finally said, okay, we've decided we'll allow you to come, but you can't sit with the teachers. I said, fine, I don't care. And so um, you guys both know Harper Valley PTA and that whole story behind that. I walk out there, mind you, I am definitely in teacher's clothes. So I was not in, you know, mini skirt and go-go boots or anything. And, um, you know, I came with my hair back like it is now. So very respectful and everything. And everybody's like, 
you know, can't believe she'd have the nerve to come. I could hear some people saying, I was like, oh, darling, you have no idea how much you do not scare me. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, it was very nice. So two of the kids and a couple of parents and stuff came over and stood next to me. They said, oh, we just thought we'd come and stand with you. I thought that was pretty sweet. And then when the uh, ceremony was over and everybody um, said, you know, the the kids, you know, how they throw their hats and everybody was on the big football field. And so I went down to the football field because I was going to hug my the next of my kids. And the little boy who was partially, he was not at all fully responsible, but he um, had been text messaging, uh, I guess, my boobs around the school. And uh, he was in tears because I never meant to hurt you. And I was like, I, I know that, you know, of course I forgive you. It's not a big deal. You know, it shouldn't have been a big deal. It was just, uh, I mean, I can't blame him. I mean, he's a young kid and he just found out his teacher was in one of the most famous horror movies in all of history. Naked. <laughs> how, how, how can you not get kind of excited about that? That's kind of cool, you know? Yeah. So, so I have I was mixing the timeline up. So you're you weren't a teacher then, and then he got the job. No, no, this is this is a long time after, long time after, because before after I left Hollywood, I became a long. I was went to college, got my journalism degree. I was a longtime journalist with the Dallas Morning News and the Fort Worth Star Telegram and some magazines, and so it was after I left my journalism career that I decided to go and teach for a while. I wanted to help because I had a lot of really wonderful teachers who helped me out. And so I wanted to return that fever and uh, they didn't seem to like that, but that's okay. You know, I am doing something that I love even more and I did love being a teacher and I'm back into filmmaking and I feel like I have a winner on my hands. And so I'm super thrilled that I'm now, have 13 fanboy coming out. And if I'd been teaching, I probably wouldn't have because it would have been too much to take on and have another job. So let me just recap because mm-hmm. you are clearly the most industrious human being ever. <laughs> Actor, right? <laughs> Teacher. Mm-hmm. What, what else was in there? Director, I mean, producer, yeah. um, journalist. Um, journalist. Yes. All um, of these things take so much study. You must, you must be a workaholic. Some people say so. I don't. I say I like. I like to play. I just happen to love everything I do. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I think when we start saying that, oh, I've got to work. I've got to work. I've got to work. You know, there's this negative connotation to this. Oh, I got to go do this today. You know. Yeah. Even if you're cleaning houses, oh, good. I get to go do this today because I'm going to get some money. I'm going to go do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I agree with you 100. Mm-hmm. percent I say to Casey all the time off the air, I'm like, oh man, young people, because I got a younger son. It's like they, they seem to be inspired by people who are telling them, hey, you don't have to work as hard as you're working, and it scares the heck out of me. Right? Like, the world isn't going to give you anything for free. You got to, you got to work. You do, you do. And you know, I've done all different kinds of jobs. I've actually, you know, cocktails or cocktails and bars. I actually shined shoes and bars back in the 80s. Remember when that was the thing for, and it, boy, did it make really strong arms. Um, I actually did clean houses some too. So I've done a little bit of everything, you know, I, but I've always done the medial work 
to get somewhere else, but I can make way more money slinging cocktails or even cleaning houses than that you can. You know, you go in and you work at a store for, you know, 10 to 13 bucks an hour, you'll never get ahead. But slinging cocktails, you can make some really good money doing that. Yeah. yeah. So I hear, except I, I don't like to give the drinks away. I like to drink them. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one slinging the money out, Bill. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's sort of what you mentioned there sort of leads into another question that we had there from uh, Three Stan Man. Uh, he says, part five is hugely underrated. Deborah was one of the best parts in it. Uh, as for his question, he would like to know, uh, there's only a handful of movies listed on your IMDb page. Is there a particular reason that you didn't pop up in more 80s and 90s horror movies? After Pretty much after uh, Friday the 13th, I decided to go home. And um, I went to college and um, graduated my, my journalism degree and went in a different direction. Part of it was because of... You know, I don't think it would have been a wrong decision to stay in Hollywood. There are many things about it that I really love. But particularly at that time, I don't think it's as bad now as it was then. Women were, you know, sex objects. And I'm not saying that's, I'm not going to say whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. I love men to be sex objects. So I can't really say that in a negative way. But I saw so many women who were twice my age trying to compete for the same roles that I was in. And there was this desperation and this anger, um, you know, and trying to do this and color the hair and get the boobs up and tuck this and tuck that and the heels. And I was just like, oh, and I, I, I just felt so bad for them because I could just see it must have been horrible to feel that desperate that you have to keep working, that you need to do all this stuff with your physical appearance. And, you know, the reality is we all get old and we either go gracefully or we go trying really hard to do anything to make ourselves look a little bit younger. And one's not, I'm not saying one's a bad choice and one's a good choice. I don't mean that. But for me, I was just like, wow, I just don't, this doesn't work for me. I don't think this is the right direction for me. And um, so I just decided not to. So, and in fact, I was, uh, I think y'all may know I was in Riptide in Dallas and Days of Your, Our Lives as well. And um, when I left, I mean, I hadn't been back but two weeks and I was offered a regular occurring role on Days of Our Lives. So I could have turned around right then. And, um, you know, I don't think that there was a right or wrong answer in that. I think I would have done well if I'd gone back. And I clearly did well going this direction. I love the variety, though, of my life. I have never wanted to do one thing. I've always, I've, I love variety. I feed off of it. I need it. And so I'm happy with the road I took. But I think I would have been happy the other way, too, because that's just kind of how I am. You know, whatever I decide to do, why fuss about it if you think, oh, I did the wrong decision? Really, because I don't know how you know if you made a right or wrong decision, because you can't replay it. Right. All you know, it may have been worse or as bad or as wonderful. But whatever it is, it, it is what it is. 
So I'm just happy to be where I am. It's interesting. We had John Shepard on the show too. John was in, oh, in, yeah. the, in the movie with you. He was in part five with you. He was Tommy. And mm-hmm. just like you, that was his last movie as well. So my first thought, when you said ah, I was done after that, I was like, that movie must have really messed people up. No, nothing like that. Not at all. It had nothing to do with Friday the 13th or anything. And I'm trying to remember, I may have done something else after that because I can't say for sure that that was really the last one that I did. But I just, I wanted to go to college. I really did. So you said that you had a chance to go back into uh, Hollywood and you turned it down, but right away people must have some sort of attraction to you. What do you think? And you are one of the more popular Friday the 13th actors that, that you know, as far as I'm concerned and my friends and my circle coming up, mm-hmm. what is it about you? Why does everybody love you? I, I don't know. I feel very blessed by that, honestly. I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't, but for the people who contact me, and um, I've been very lucky that people have been very kind to me, and, you know, I am very grateful for that. All right, so uh, back into the fan questions. Captain Joey would like to know, were you aware of any of the other Friday the 13th films before going into this or a fan of, or a fan of them? I'd seen the first one with Adrian King and um you know, it was a lot of fun. So, I thought it would be pretty neat to be a part of it. And I'm glad I did it. I'm very much so. Even if I got kicked out of two schools, I told my kids one day, I said, do you want your story to be, I taught for 30 years and then retired? Or do you want, I taught for a few years and then I got thrown out because I was naked in Friday the 13th. And then I went out and became a filmmaker. <laughs> and they went, the second one? <laughs> <laughs> we actually got this question a lot. Did you wish that your character was in the video game, the Friday the 13th video game? It is. I've been told it is at least. They have okay. I I've been I've seen my um the blanket and the garden shears and all of that. I don't know if they okay. actually uh made a character that looks like me or not, but I know that my scene and everything is right there. So, I'm assuming that there would be some little creature running around that resembled at least dark hair and that sort of thing. <laughs> Do you remember it, Bill? These gamers, they, they all wanted to know that question. I Yeah, they, I don't believe they had a character that was that was you, but now that I'm, I'd have to go through, the, the likeness could have been a thing they did. Right. Take a, take a look and let me know. But I do know that I had more than one send me a picture of the garden shears and stuff, and I'm the only one to go that way, so those are my babies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you might need to go get some money. I mean, some people. Are, do you, is it possible? Are you still making money from? I'm not so sure how residuals oh, and all that you work. Know, you, they, you do get residuals, but sometimes they're so ridiculously tiny. It's like you guys want to just keep it, <laughs> but not really. I cash the checks, but you know, I do sometimes wonder why they do that. So yeah. All right. We know you don't have too much time here. Let's ask this final one. Uh, Zombies ate Kyle. These are all Reddit names. Zombies ate Kyle would like to know. uh, He read that Steinman was difficult director to work with. What was it like working with him? Uh, Was there anything surprising about the way the movie came out compared to how it felt during filming? I knew I was sniffing it out. So the director was a bad guy. 
All right, let's get to the dirt. Definitely not. I think it's like anything that sometimes personalities, they don't mix very well. I can say that Danny was always very kind and very nice to me. Yeah, I really never had any trouble with him at all. I found him easy to get along with, and he was helpful on set. Like, for example, when... You know, by the time I had the mask on my face with the blood and stuff, I couldn't see anything. And of course, I'm also naked. So he picks me up from uh, the makeup. And so I have, of course, at that time I had a robe, but he, you know, I had to be walked to set very carefully so that I didn't trip and fall because I literally couldn't see anything. And he was very gentle and made sure that I knew where to step and, you know, that I didn't trip or anything. And, you know, he made sure that I was well taken care of on set. And I don't know why, but my particular scene had a lot of false information, a lot of just flat out lies that was just kind of mind blowing to me. But I thought, well, I think it was mainly because you know, it's um, given the role I had and everything, it was a way of kind of selling things. Like for instance, one, they said that the original cut of the scene was much, much longer. Well, granted, I didn't see the original cut, but I don't know how it could possibly have been much longer. We just kissed and that would have been a really boring three minutes. And after a while, you know, you're like going, okay, so... Why you move this long, <laughs> you know? And so things like that. I mean, could they have extended a little bit, like maybe 15 seconds? Yeah, sure. They probably could have done that with no problem, but nothing like what they were talking about. And I think that was more about titillation to try and get people to, you know, horror fans really like to think that there was something that happened that they didn't get to see, you know? Another one with mine was they said, uh, there was a rumor going around that they had to cut the garden shears actually going through the eyes because it didn't pass the ratings board. That never happened. There was never, ever a shot like that. If they had a shot like that, they would have had to give me a full prosthetic. And they only did it to like right here. Well, I guess it's about right here and they gave room for my nose to breathe. Uh, but they would have had to have done the whole face in order to pull that stunt off. That never happened. And so it's just, there were several things along the way like that. I was like, wow. And um, yeah, there's some kind of backbiting too that I've heard. And I just uh, like, oh, well, it is what it is. Well, it, it's it's creative minds all getting together. It's a it's a right. bunch of people who really don't know each other that well. It's like it's an interesting. It's kind of like construction work in my mind. Right. Well, and I you have one person say one little thing, and then that person says, "Well, I heard this," and then somebody else stretches that a little bit, and they go, well, "I heard this," and then before you know it, you're like going, "I'm sorry, I was there. I know what happened." <laughs> All types of different personalities trying to mix together. Some work, some don't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we were going to be gentlemen and not ask uh, some of the questions about your nude scene, but Deborah, you brought it up. So mm-hmm. I was naked in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, they, people remember that. They, they do somehow <laughs> or another. So the, I, I always 
have never had anybody uh, on the show to ask this question, but you're doing a nude scene. How many people are around? Do more people suddenly show up or is it, no, I've no, heard no, of closed no. sets too. I, I, yeah. So what's it like doing that? The scene? closed set is only people that are absolutely necessary on set. And, you know, that's nice. It's very helpful. What I do though, when I, you know, when I did that scene, I had to put on blinders everywhere. In fact, I do that when I'm acting, no matter what, I just close everybody off because if I suddenly am aware of the grip that's standing right there while I'm trying to have a scene or I'm suddenly aware of the director standing over here, suddenly aware of the sound person or something, then I'm not going to be natural. And I think that's what kind of got me through that scene because it's a little nerve wracking. It's my first day on set and I'm not just topless. I'm full naked, you know, in front of a bunch of people. I don't know. And then finally blind (laughs) and naked. You tell me if that's a comfortable position to be in. (laughs) Because I'll blindfold you guys and then we'll just strip you naked and walk you out and see how you're feeling. (laughs) I've been there at at some points in my life with too much beer on the beach at night. But yeah, I've never gotten paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it something, is it in the script and you have to agree to it kind of going in? Yeah, no, I knew beforehand that there was going to be some nudity in it. So, and I mean, the nudity itself didn't really bother me because I don't really think that there's anything wrong with it. It's just that, you know, that doesn't mean that it also means that I'm going to run around and go to a nudist colony either, because that's not really my thing either. One, I think everybody should wear pants because they're sitting on chairs. <laughs> and we all know what happens with the, you know, come on, let's keep pants on, just cleanliness. I don't really yeah. care if you're naked, but yeah, don't sit. <laughs> yeah, We're, we've been we've been in pandemic for too long. We all have to put our pants on. That's pants right. on. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what I should have done was just telling everybody, okay, if I'm getting naked, everybody else does off. Everybody's clothes off. <laughs> We're all gonna stand around here and feel as awkward. <laughs> But, you know, my co-star, he had to be naked, too. So, I think it's crazy they bring you in there on the first day, and that, that's what they do. Well, it actually makes a lot of sense. I know in, in some ways I can completely see why that would seem like not a great idea. But I think it was really smart because otherwise you're worrying about it the whole time, you know. And I think sure. one of the other reasons, too, from their perspective, not mine, but their perspective – what if they had shot everything with me and then I wouldn't do the new scene, you know, right. get that one out of the way and then they can shoot everything else. Right. There you go, Bill. There, there it is. You, you were supposed to be a gentleman, Casey, <laughs> please. We got to talk after this. When, when the movie came out, the, the movie was kind of controversial, right? We, we talked to, to John about this as well. And I'm going to ask you a, a question. I probably did ask John, but I don't remember when, it came out, my understanding was a lot of people are like, oh, that's the fake Jason movie. That's the fake one. That's the, we don't like that one. And as, as the fandom has grown, more people have gone to that one. I've seen people, you know, say, this is really the best one. This one's got mystery. This one's got, you know, some of those grindhouse qualities. Right. We even said to John, I, I think this is true. I, I don't know for sure that 
Quentin Tarantino has been, there's been rumors about him making a Friday the 13th because he's a fan. And, and I know I he's a big fan. And if I have heard correctly. He's a fan of yours. Part, yeah, part five. That's what I hear. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, it, it's great. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. It's a great, you know, I mean, it's as great slasher. It really is. And I actually think it harkens more back to the original. Think about it. It's a whodunit. Both of them were whodunits. And they were both bereaved parents behaving in irrational ways with people who really had nothing to do with their kids' stuff. You know? They were crazy. Cray, cray. But, you know, maybe I tend to be blissfully unaware, but I don't think so. I'm actually, I, I feel like I pay quite close attention to things. But I personally never experienced any blowback. But I know that Melanie did. And I know that Dick Wean did. And I know Tom Morga did. But I didn't. And so why, I don't know. I didn't know until many years later that it was controversial. And frankly, I went to, I, I went to the premiere, of course. But then I decided I wanted to go to see the movie and see how the fans responded. And I can tell you, when I was there in that theater, there wasn't any controversy. They loved it. They had all the right reactions in the right place. They came out. I really think that it was a group that, you know, kind of like they were the ones they, they kept saying, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. And if, you know, people say it loud, long enough and loud enough, if I started getting up on social media and started telling people, there's a problem in an area and 10 more people add on and a hundred more people and a thousand and 10,000, you know, most of our problems in this world have to do with our perception of a problem as opposed to any kind of real problems. So I, I know without a doubt that there were definitely some fans that were problematic as far as, or were upset about it. And if, every once in a while, I'll get somebody who'll tell me they were at the time, but now they've gone back and it's become their favorite now. They went back and yeah. decided to watch it and now it's their favorite. And then, or they'll say, you know, I was being kind of silly because look, it's got some of the best kills in the franchise. I absolutely loved it till the second of the reveal. And I was like, really? Does that really make sense? You know, and but it's okay. I mean, think about it. Is there a human being on this planet that hasn't had kind of one of those moments? You know, because I'm a purist in this area or that area. I'm that way with baked goods because I will not, I do not want to eat cookies in front of a box or made up from ingredients from a box. I want everything homemade, cakes, cookies, pies, everything. So we all have our one little thing that we're kind of stuck up and snobbish about, you know, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, it's kind of fun. I, I, it kind of just makes me think like, you know, humans were kind of funny. We're kind of cute because we latch on to these like silly little things. And then we have to have our little arguments and stuff about it. I don't know. It's kind of cute. It, it amuses me, but I never really saw it until somebody said, and I was like, huh, why? What? <laughs> I was baffled. I had no idea. Yeah, I had mentioned we had Peter Anthony on. Peter Anthony uh, directed the the Roseblood fan film that Casey mm -hmm. was in. And, and, you know, he said he's getting some heat. People are being kind of angry about him making something. And, and to me, the fandom is always, yeah, we'd like the bicker. 
but nobody actually gets upset by anybody, but I guess maybe it gets, it's a little bit more heated now with why, social media. Why were they upset with him? Well, uh, his storyline is a sequel to part seven. Right. And he I'm, just kind I'm of aware. took it and ran with it. And since it's not a real, you know, technically a real movie, as, as he said, that people that were saying. That's the case him, with all of the quote fan films. It's not technically, I mean, that's how they get away with being able to do it because otherwise they yeah. get slapped with the copyright law. They basically, all they can, they can put it up on like places like YouTube, Vinamia, but they can't make a profit at it. And it's supposed to be under a certain number of minutes too. And so I, I don't know. I mean, it's probably just a handful of people who decided that this is their little thing they want to be mad about. I mean, I've been as guilty at times, you know, like I said, those cakes and cookies, damn it, they better be made right. And there is no such thing as white chocolate. Sorry. No, that's true. And if it's not chocolate, it's not chocolate if it's white. So I have my own little weirdo things too. Oh, I agree with everything. You white say. chocolate is pretty good. <laughs> you like white chocolate? It's pretty good. No. No, it's all wrong. <laughs> I can I can actually kick him out of this podcast. Could you? I mean, that is a, kind of a huge infraction with liking a white chocolate. That's like wrong. All right, I'll never eat it again. Okay, well, he probably he probably likes black licorice too. No, I don't. <laughs> actually, I do like black licorice, but I won't eat it very often. Just here and there. <laughs> Chocolate's my addiction. Yeah. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Front page news. Yep. It's going out tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> She's an addict. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great talking with you. You are so much fun. Do we have any other questions, Case? I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we're going to run out of time. That's it. All right. Well, I would just like to say that 13 Fanboy is opening on October 22nd. We will be in select theaters across the United States and on about every VOD in demand and um, pay-per-view platform out there, all the major ones. And we'll have DVDs and such probably December, but we haven't, we don't have a release date for that yet, but that'll be in all the major outlets as well. And so, yeah, we're super excited about it. And, uh, We'll see where it goes from here. It's been a blast. It really has been. If it does really well and people love it, would you make a sequel? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got a couple ideas that was really since we first started writing the first one, you know, I've been mulling over some ideas and my producing partner, he's been mulling ideas over with me. His name's Joel Paul Reisick. He's the co-producer and co-writer on the script. But uh Yeah. Fan, horror fans are great. In this is why I wanted to do it was because, you know, horror fans are, you guys are really pretty damn cool. Really kind of fun to hang out with, you know? And they kept asking me, do something, do something. And I was like, they wanted to bring back some of the characters. You know, most of their ideas were all about, you know, make it another Friday the 13th and that wasn't going to happen. And that wasn't really, I mean, I would, if somebody wanted me to direct a Friday the 13th, I'd be thrilled to do it, but it wasn't what I was looking to do. I wanted to do something else. And so when we came up with the idea of the stocking, it made perfect sense. It looks great. Thank you. I mean, we wish you all the success. I mean, this is 
uh, when you make the sequel, make sure you include uh, two podcasters in it, and we will show up. We're we're, we're always on time. Awesome. We, we take scale, whatever that means. <laughs> awesome. Very good to know. Social media where anybody can find you? Yes, absolutely. On Facebook, it's Deborah Voorhees Sheer Horror Group. And Sheer is spelled like garden shears through the eyes. And then I have my personal page, which it's, um, I'm at my max as far as people. I know I have a few openings right now because I just got rid of some people that were no longer on Facebook, but I pretty much stay at my max all the time, but you still, I am public. So you still can follow what I'm doing. I have 13 fanboy. Uh, page as well. And um, I'm working on a website. My, I do have VoorheesFilmsProductions.com, which you can learn about it. I don't go there a lot. I put up the information and I go by and uh, update it. The share horror. And then I, it's probably the best place to catch me. I am just learning how to do Twitter, which is way easier than freaking Instagram. <sighs> I have it. I have a personal Instagram and I have a 13 fanboy Instagram and I'm still don't know what the hell I'm doing. And, uh, Twitter though, I'm starting to just barely get it down. And so it's going much better and I'm getting some followers. If anybody will follow me on Twitter, I'd really appreciate it. Both 13 fanboy and me, please. Well, you got to get on the ticky talk too. You got to do the ticky talk. I have, I, but, but man. <laughs> I'm like, what is this and why? Apparently, that's where the kids are. Is that right? We're not supposed to understand. It's like when when we were young, our parents thought the Beatles were the worst thing in the world, and we just thought, you know, they don't get it. Right now, our kids are like, they don't get TikTok. But what is it exactly? What I don't even. Very short videos. You do you know Jason Brooks, right? From uh, Vengeance and all that. He he has a he has a pretty popular TikTok. If you could follow his uh social media you and find so out. all you do it's all videos all the time yeah it's just short little videos or i think they add pictures i've made a few of them we we have we have one of those there tic tacs i've made a few of them they're just short real short videos okay i'm avoiding it i want nothing to do with any more social media i think we already have enough social media that's kind of how i'm feeling i just yeah. have enough if i can master twitter i'm going to consider it a great victory but to have to do videos every day, mm. yeah, that's yeah, a lot of and Instagram, it seems like the only way it works well is if you take the picture yourself yeah. and everything else, you know, if you're wanting to do it a different way, it's like, I don't know, not a very yeah. big fan of that and one. Hashtags, hashtags are a big thing on Instagram. And we've been doing better. hashtags. Everybody gets on to me because I kept not doing hashtags <laughs> and like going, I was going... Why do we do hashtags? Can somebody please explain this? Why can't it be trending just by the two words that are together and you do the search and it's right there? Why do you have to do hashtag? But nope. I guess I kind of understand it because, you know, if they're not right together, then, you know, we'll pick up something from 13, something from fanboy and pull it together. So that's telling you specifically to look for those things. So I've been mastering the hashtags. Very good, impressive, good. isn't it? <laughs> You're a 60 year old woman. <laughs> if you need any help with anything, just let us know. We'll we'll try to help you any way we can. Thank you. Well, if you want to open up my first TikTok account, maybe you can. 
<laughs> you don't want to let Casey do that. No, 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 no. You're going to have to put on some gray hair and play me, though. <laughs> That's great. All right, you Thank guys. Thank you so much, Deborah. I appreciate Thank this. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for having me.